The sermon for this morning comes from Psalm 67. And it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for that reading of the word. Thank you, worship team. Where's Laura at? Awesome. Such a great time, such an anointed time. I'm Danny. Great to be here with you all. It's been a few years, I think, right? It has been. Yeah, so good to be back. I wanted to start off with a question. How many churches are there in Atlanta? Does anyone know? One. That's a great answer. My son's heard me say this before. Thanks for sharing the special sauce, the secret sauce with everyone. But yeah, there's, there's only one church, right? It's a true question. There's one church, and it's Christ Church. And we don't have to try to become one. According to Ephesians 2, we already are one because of the finished work of Jesus. And so we just have to repent for not being who we already are. And I, I love the multiple expressions of the body of Christ that are gathering right now around our city. I love that since we started our first church and ministry in Bankhead and the Grove Park community back in 2015, City Church has been family. You guys have been part of everything that God's been doing uh, the last eight years and And so our work is an extension of the body of Christ, and it's your work. Our work is your work. Your work is our work. We are are the body of Christ. Amen? And and that's the reality. And so even today, you know, two different types of worship bands coming together, two different styles. I'm a very different type of preacher than, than Scott and maybe some of your other preachers. Different cultures in our city all under the lordship of Jesus, these beautiful mosaic of expressions of, of God's kingdom come in, being put on display to our city for, for the sake of the nations, for the sake of this world. And that's really what this psalm is all about. And I, I did want to extend a thank you from our summer camp. You guys have supported our summer camp. We do a thing called Safe Summer, and it keeps growing. We, we have tons of kids that are part of it. And I just want to throw up a picture. This is one of our camps. Um, A bunch of kids. This is our biggest summer yet. About 160 kids are involved in summer camp. We have work programs for the teens. We Kids go to different places. We do music, studio stuff. uh, All types of different media stuff is happening. And you guys have been supporting this as a church for a while. And we are so thankful. Vicki D is actually our camp director. She was rocking out on electric guitar, but she's doing a great job. And Chris was actually our camp director last year. But it's a super organic, and our whole goal is eight weeks of, of safe summer for these precious kids that we serve. Um, lots of food, lots of fun, lots of Jesus. They're learning catechism. They're learning all kinds of cool, cool stuff, uh, learning all types of songs. Maybe sometime uh, they can lead worship. They've, <laughs> they're little worshipers. It's pretty awesome. Uh, we have a great time. We turn up. We, uh, we have a song called Young Turnt Saved. And that's a, that's a song that uh, one of our rappers in our group came up with. He just dropped his album, actually. But, yeah, so we, we, do, we do studios, like Scott said. That's been a great way to kind of use music to open up doors for relationships and discipleship uh, and all types of other stuff happens, you know, as, as we kind of show up as God's people, God shows out and his spirit moves through tabernacles, through temples of his spirit. So that's really the best thing we can do is just show up, <laughs> you know, not, we don't have to really plan that much, right? We always say we don't believe in organized religion because we're not very organized and, and we show up and God shows out and that's what we're praying will happen this morning. So I wanted to actually invite up Miss Annie. Um, she's been uh, a wonderful 
um, mother figure to myself and my wife and discipled us and poured into us. And so she's just going to pray as we come into this time to dig into God's word. gracious father you are the righteous one you are the holy one there's no God like you there's none beside you you are God the creator you are God the redeemer and in your appointed time you've gathered us together this morning to come sit at your feet to hear your voice to live according to your word, to serve one another, to love one another. So as we sit at your feet this morning, O God, let us, Father, bow our hearts before you. We receive your word, O Father. We receive your love, your grace, your hope, your righteousness, your truth. Sanctify us, Lord, with your word. For your word is truth. We need you, Father. You are our Savior. You are our salvation. You are our deliverer. You are our hope and our joy. So we thank you, Father, for this day. And we choose to rejoice in it. We choose to know that you chose this day before the foundation of the world. And there is nothing impossible with you. So we lay our cares at your feet, at the feet of the cross, and we say, yes, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is in your precious and divine name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Annie. So Psalm 67 can be summarized with three short statements. And I got this from Dr. Mark Furtado, and he was your professor too, right? Yeah, he was our Hebrew professor at RTS Orlando. Great guy, and it just stuck out to me. He was teaching us Hebrew, and he took us to Psalm 67 and read it in Hebrew, and then said this psalm has three things that show equal weight in the text. First, it's all about God. Second, it's all about us. And third, it's all about them. And all three of those go together. God's glory, God's ultimate purpose, God's ultimate goals, us as his people, our our flourishing, our uh, very identity, knowing who we are, knowing why we are, knowing our purpose, that's directly connected to God's glory. It's directly connected to our flourishing. But then also, like the psalm has such a trajectory toward the nations, toward them, toward the other, toward this entire earth. I mean, over and over again, it says, may the peoples, may the peoples, may every person, may every tongue, may every tribe, may all the peoples know your ways. May they know you, God. May they know your saving power. And it's, it's hitting over and over again that it's also all about them. And so we're going to dive into that. It's all about God. It's all about us. It's all about them. Now, we are Americans, and let's just be honest. Like, we kind of like that when, yeah, it's all about us. (laughs) Like, we are naturally consumeristic. We are a very uh, self-absorbed, individualistic culture. Am I correct? I grew up in Japan. My whole life I came back to the U.S., I was like, what is going, what is, I've never experienced this before. It's completely different. And, you know, as a third culture kid growing up there, only white kid in my school, and then coming back and coming to college, I was, I was, I, first of all, everyone kept telling me I looked like this guy named Zach. I guess when I was in college, I looked like this guy named Zach. And I was like, who is Zach? Why do you keep saying I look like Zach? And then they said, oh, he's from that show Saved by the Bell. And I was like, Saved by the what? What is that? You know? <laughs> And, and so like, I couldn't, I, but, but that whole consumeristic, individualistic culture, we like that it's about us. And the good news is it is about us, just not in the way we think it's about us. And so we're actually going to start off with 
it's about us. Uh, Our flourishing is a huge part of God's entire purpose of our creation. He made us to flourish. We are wired to flourish. We are paradise seekers at our core. We long for paradise. We are after paradise. We are after the, the, the good things, the true things, the beautiful things. There's something in us that is wired for that. Look at what God declared. Look at what he said, his initial blessing of humanity. On the sixth day after we were created in Genesis 1, God said this, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then look what it says. This is verse 27. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So you you see this initial blessing that God places on his image bearers, and he uh, he declares that we have dignity. So that's the first thing he gives us, that first deed, dignity. You we have intrinsic value as his image bearers. And then second is dominion. And this is all connected to our flourishing. Us knowing our true worth as image bearers, as creating in God's image, blessed by God himself. And the, the second deed, dominion, that we, we are created to have dominion over this earth. And that dignity and dominion go hand in hand. And that's directly connected to our flourishing as human beings. We are wired to flourish. We were made to flourish That first verse is like, it's a cry to God. It's got, God, would you be merciful and bless us? Would you make your face smile upon us and give us favor? That's what verse 1 is saying. Like, this this is our desire. We want to flourish. And God wants maximum flourishing for us. He wants maximum, maximum flourishing for his creation. In fact, God's glory here on earth is directly connected to human flourishing. Think about that. That makes sense, doesn't it? God's glory here on earth is directly connected to us flourishing. Like, we, we don't praise weak gods. Weak gods can't give us what we truly want. We want a God who is powerful. We want a God who is in control. We want a God who can bless us beyond our wildest dreams. Like that, that's, that's a desire that is wired into us. It, it really is. It's, it's all about us. I, I think the tendency, especially for religious people, is to try to put God so transcendent that he does not, he doesn't really, really care about our flourishing. It's almost like, well, God will reward us if we follow, you know, step A, step B, some formula, and, you know, maybe he'll throw us some crumbs from his table if we just kind of, like, follow his rules and don't take them off too much, right? Like, that that's kind of the mindset of the every religion in the world. There's just this sense of, like, if there is a God, like, he, there's no way that he's really that concerned about us because he's, he, he's so powerful and he's, he's so transcendent that there's just no way that he's that concerned with us. And then on the flip side, you know, you, if you swing the other way, you'll see like, well, there is no God. You're the master of your own destiny. You, the only joy or pleasure or paradise you're ever going to experience is what you can generate for yourself. It's the survival, the flourishing of the fittest. It's the make, make your own destiny. Make it happen for yourself. You know, in our community, we'd say, get that bag. <laughs> get it. You've got to get it. You've got to make it happen. You've got to generate your own flourishing. But the, the God of the Bible, this God that we're introduced to in all 66 books of Scripture, this God that has put himself on display constantly and appeared to Abraham, appeared to Isaac and Jacob and, and spoke to David and spoke to the prophets and came in the person of Jesus incarnate. This God is all about our ultimate flourishing. I, and I, 
I think if we can't, if we can't accept that, then we can't receive that. If we can't believe that, how are we actually going to be able to receive that God is so for us? That God is just, he is, what father does not want a child, their child to flourish, right? A bad father. A terrible father abuses their kids, right? That's, that's, that is the, the, we look at that, we're like, that's terrible. How could that actually happen? Why would that happen? How could something like that happen? And we think about that and we think, wow, like God is a good father. Scripture tells us he's a father that everything he does is for our good, right? Everything that is being orchestrated. We sang about that, that goodness of God, the love of God, the provision of God, the constant presence of God, God being with us, the light of the world who stepped down into our darkness. We're we're singing these songs, and these are reality statements about the very nature and character of our God, that he is a good father, that he does care for his children, that he loves his creation. And that never changed. In fact, when those image bearers that he blessed and invited into collective flourishing with him, when they chose to disobey, what did God do? Did he abandon them? No, he clothed them. He covered their shame. Right there, Genesis 3. He covered their shame. Like a good father does. For the kids that he loves. The second thing, it's all about God. It's about us. This whole story is about us. It's also about God. You see that all throughout the text, right? Like, may you be worshipped. May you be glorified. May, may the nations praise you. May the whole world sing for joy. Look at verse 4. Look, may the whole world sing for joy. This is like, you know, the cosmic worship. May everything that you've created worship you, God. May they adore you. May they know who you are. May they love you. This is a powerful, powerful statement. Because God is glorified when the earth praises him for his righteous rule. Look what it says, the the whole earth sing for joy. Why? Because you govern the nations with justice, with righteousness, and you guide the people of the whole world, that you are a God of justice. You are a God of righteousness. It's it's so interesting right now in our world, there's so many different definitions of justice, right? What is just? What is righteous? What is true? It's nothing new. This has always been happening we're always on this journey. I think every, I mean, my, my daughters and I, we were having this discussion last night. You know, we, what is, what is just, what is righteousness? Where does that come from? We went and saw that, the, that movie that's out, um, Sound of Freedom. I don't know if anyone's seen that yet. Um, very, very interesting. I mean, even if it, even if it's based on a true story, but even if it wasn't true at all, just the, <laughs> the storyline itself and it's you know something that you know we see happening in our world seeing happening in Atlanta you know it's uh, about children being rescued out of uh, sex trafficking so that's what the movie's about and uh, it does have a powerful message um, but we, we were talking about this and you know it's my daughter was like gosh how you know how could how could these these people actually desire that? And that's a really good question, isn't it? And it's easy sometimes to say, well, um, well, their sinful desires are so much worse than my sinful desires, and they deserve justice for their sin. And there's something in us when a child is abused and justice is served. Isn't there something in us as humans that just sort of like rises up and says, yes, thank you. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out as these little kids were being rescued from from these brothels where they were turning tricks six nights, I mean, six times a night, like a day. Like, how's this happening in our world? And you don't even realize the extent. You know, we get shielded from it on multiple, multiple levels. But this is the reality 
of our fallen, broken world. And it was interesting where our discussion went. Our discussion went to, well, why, why, why should you criticize them? They're just trying to flourish. They're just trying to be happy. Pedophiles are just trying to be happy. They're just trying to satisfy their desires. And there's actually a line in the movie where, where the, the, the main cop, Tim, he's like, he's, he's kind of pretending to be a pedophile and he's sitting with a pedophile and the guy's talking about his desires and how it, he's like, we have to be able to fulfill these desires. Like they're in us. I can't do anything about it. This is what I want. This is what I like. So wait a minute. He just wants to be happy. So shouldn't, shouldn't he be happy? Shouldn't he be allowed to have his happiness fulfilled? Self-happiness, self-fulfillment becomes the God that we worship. We know that, right? That becomes our functional deity. You do you, I'll do me. That's our creed. That's, that's where this leads. And, and while it, in one sense, human flourishing, this is what was built into us. What happened at the fall? Those desires, the enemy can't create anything. He just twisted and lied and twisted what, was our, what God made good and twisted the, that. And now the deception is, well, you can fulfill your desires. If you just seek after your own happiness, your own individual fulfillment, your own individual flourishing, that, that's it. That's your goal. That's your purpose. Go for it. That's how you're going to flourish. And, and that really is the lie. Because here's what happens, right? Here's what happens. You will always glorify something. You will always worship what you perceive will give you the maximum amount of flourishing. You will always love what you believe also loves you or can give you what you think you need. And the deception of the world in our flesh is that you will be happiest when you get your way. And but here's here's why this can't this can't work. So what happens when me doing me starts to compromise your happiness? What happens when well, I need to flourish. I think this is what will make me happy. I think this is what will fulfill me. I, th- I need this, and so I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it for myself. I am going to flourish at all costs for myself in the way that I believe I should flourish, in the way that makes me happy. That, that's, what, that's why we have injustice. That's why we have oppression. That's why we have exploitation. That's why we have elitism. And guess what? It's the richer and the more powerful that use their power on the weaker and the poor, right? I mean, that's at the heart of, of all of this. I mean, Trinity and Katie Grace, isn't that right? That was what we saw in the movie. That's what we discussed was this, this whole system. Who were the, why did it exist? Because there were so many people committed to themselves and using their money, resources, power for the sake of those evil desires. It just, this is why you seeking yourself on your terms, what you believe is your ultimate source of happiness, what you believe is your ultimate source of flourishing. It's not going to work because we've been deceived. I mean, who has tried something before that you thought would bring you fulfillment and you were let down by that high? In our house church, we all raise hands when that happens. Can anyone, can we, has anyone, is it just me? I mean, have, have you ever been let down by your own desires? Like you thought that if I just get this, I'm fulfilled. If I just get this, I will flourish. Let's just be honest. We have all tried to take something to help make ourselves flourish at someone else's expense in some type of way, haven't we? All, I, that, that's really the very nature of sin is it's this crazy codependency thing that we all struggle with where we're, we become codependent. 
and we take something because we think this is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to help me flourish. And then we might have to give something or we might have to, you know, take it in a way that hurts someone else. And that, that's happening all around us. All of us, all of us are victims. All of us are perpetrators. <laughs> We've experienced that. We've also done it in some type of way. Some more subtle, some more manipulative, some clothed with an outward garb of religion, self-righteousness. But at the heart of all of us, there's a deep darkness. There's a desire It's interesting when God, he's he's glorified when justice prevails. Wouldn't you agree? And I would say God's not glorified when justice isn't prevailing. And I would also say that the nations, like Scripture says over and over again, the nations groan when justice, injustice prevails. There's something in us that groans when injustice prevails. It's interesting how the greatest commandment connects the two, right? What is the greatest commandment? Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, with everything you are. And what's and then Jesus says the second is just like it. It's directly connected. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do one without the other. You cannot love God and not love your neighbor. And you really can't love your neighbor unless you love God. That's the only way you're going to be able to, in that word, agape, the way that you're going to be able to selflessly love another human being is only if you have a love with God. And if you've experienced agape, that's the only way you can give agape. You can't give agape if you haven't experienced agape. If you don't know agape, how are you going to share agape? They're so connected. It's It's so brilliant because Jesus is just agreeing with the psalmist here. He's saying... Yeah, look, you can't love God and, and, and not love people. And you can't not love people without loving God. <laughs> the two are so connected. All right. It's all about them. It's all about them. What, what is God trying to do on the earth constantly? My grandfather always said this. He said, God does not have grandchildren. It's a deep statement, isn't it? Like every generation has to meet their maker as you can't ride off of someone else's faith, right? You can't ride off of someone else's belief. You individually, yes, have to come face to face with the reality of your finiteness that no matter how hard you try, no matter how many skin care products you apply, no matter how many of those annoying IG ads that just keep coming at you <laughs> about how you can reverse the curse. It's like, no, we're going to die. <laughs> we're going to become plant food someday. This, this flesh cannot make it. We cannot, we cannot stop. We can't stop sin. Gosh, has anyone been here? Maybe it's just me. Has anyone here been able to stop sinning? I mean, like, this morning? (laughs) What, this week? Has any empire been able to bring world peace, been able to fix this messed up? I mean, like, even the empires that, you know, try to bring a religion or bring a deity to sign off on their oppression and their Babel building. I mean, like, even every empire. It's so fascinating because there's this part of us that's like, we want to flourish. We want to flourish. We're going to flourish. We're going to pursue flourishing. We're going to try this. We're going to try this. But where does it just always end up? Crumbling, right back to the same. And and this comes back to that, that... thing I, I said in the, about our, our flourishing is like, we, we, we don't worship a weak God. We don't want to worship a weak God. In fact, all of us are looking for the most powerful God possible to worship. 
And, into, and, and we do that. As soon as we find a, a God more powerful, God more powerful that can give us the flourishing that we're really longing for, we will start worshiping and living for that God, right? Think about that. We do. You're always, on, you've got this like God radar where you're looking for something to give your life to that will give you something in return. And, and that's, that's why we run after these ads. That's why we, we run after these, these desires. These desires get awakened in us and we go after them. And we think, if I get this, this is it. This God is going to deliver. This God's going to give me what I'm after. And the gods of the nations, the gods of the world, the gods of the empires of man, they keep disappointing, don't they? They keep disappointing. I, I just, I look back, I was at summer camp this last week and I was preparing and sitting there up in, in camp, um, at Camp Grace down in Roberta, Georgia, amazing camp, awesome place awesome place. And I took a little studio there. It was a studio actually that I set up in this prison on Tuesday. And I, I was so overwhelmed because, you know, we went to this prison that's going to, it's hiring us. There's 2,500 inmates, maximum security prison in Wheeler, Georgia. And we, you know, show up there and I, I preached there before we brought a bunch of Christian hip hop artists there. And uh, my partner, CJ, um, just God used him to open up a door into this relationship. And so now we're building a restoration studios in this prison. They're so excited. So I'm hanging out with the warden and she's taking me through and talking about the, this prison. And then we, we go into this back part, this huge dorm that has 85 inmates in it. It's just one big room with like, you know, 40 bunks and the showers are right there. You know, everything's open. And they got two rooms and she's like, yeah, You'll build your studio here in this room, right where they live. We're going to move all the artists and creatives right here into this area so that you guys can teach them. And she wants us to teach them God's word. I mean, it's just amazing <laughs> the doors God's opening. And we have about 20 guys already that the chaplain has been building relationships with. Who know, The chaplain's been there 24 years. He's an awesome man of God who's just passionate about um, helping these, these men here meet Jesus. And I met some of them some of the heroes of the faith that day. These are guys that some of them have 30 years left on their sentence. I mean, I talked to this one guy. He was like, yeah, I got 30 years left. He's like, but God's got me here on mission. When God saved me here, he saved me so he could send me. I could be part of, part of uh, this, this redemption here. And you think, you think about that, like those guys in prison are still after flourishing. And, and for, for them, the death of their desires kind of had to happen. They, you know, they, they, they got caught. <laughs> you know, some of us are just better at not getting caught. You know, the things that we think about, the murder in our minds, the adultery in our hearts, like the things that we've done in the secret. I mean, we just haven't been caught. These guys got caught. They're in prison. A lot of them are coming to Christ. And I set up this little recording studio in their little portable studio I have. And we were like in paradise. It was almost like that scene in um, Shawshank Redemption when Andy uh, gets the beers. I don't know if you guys watched that movie, but he's able to, he's able to figure out a way to get beers for his, his guys as they're doing this roof work. And uh, one of the guards get, you know, get, gets them beers and they were all sitting there just in utter bliss. You should have seen these artists and these musicians I mean, in an hour, we wrote a song that was, I, I can't wait to release it because it was so good. And they're writing this stuff, like rap, it's rock, it's a mix of genres. And um, we just created it together uh, in, in God's presence. It's so Christ-centered. And I was just blown away by what God was doing in the midst of that. And then I went back to camp, and I was sitting there, and I was reflecting and just preparing for this. And I was like, wow, you know, like, like, Intimacy with God, identity, really is at the heart of all of this. We're, we're on this journey, and, and that Galatians text hit it. Like, that Galatians text that we read, it, it really hit it. We are on a journey for identity. We are trying to find our true self, and we are going to, we're going to find some type of identity. 
And what's offered in the gospel, what's offered to the world through Christ is an eternal identity. An identity that's connected to something that is far greater than anything this world has to offer us. And this is the the Bible's solution to world peace. This is the Bible's solution to world peace, is this new identity. Is a new people, a covenant people, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. A people coming to the most powerful being of the universe, yes, but also a God that isn't just transcendent, but a God that comes close. A God that shows up with us. And I wanted to, I I was thinking about this. How is God going to bring world peace? How are the nations, how are our hearts even going to be changed? Like, because like, if I'm honest, as I was sitting there, I'm like, man, like, I don't believe what we sang that Jesus is enough. I don't believe that. I have to be honest. Like, there's times when I, I sort of believe it. There's times when, like, even while we were worshiping, I was like, yes, I do believe this, God. This is true. I, you are enough, Lord. You are enough for me. You know, when, when, I'm, when I was confronted with the evil in that movie last night, I was like, man, gosh, we, need, we have to pursue righteousness. This world is so messed up. We have to be lights. We have to fight for the, <laughs> we have to fight for the weak. I was so convicted. I was like, gosh, I spend so much of my time, so much of my energy on numero uno. Such a narcissist. I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so all about me. And it was so convicting. Like, what? What am I doing? And And I came to that realization that in order for, and you see this in that first verse, in order for God to bring world peace, in order for him to bring flourishing, in order for us, for him to receive the maximum amount of glory, he has to be powerful enough to do three things. And it's right there in verse one. He has to be powerful enough to show ultimate mercy. He has to be powerful enough to bless us. And he has to be powerful enough to smile on us and show us his favor. And you see, here's the thing about mercy. Mercy isn't free. The person who is showing the mercy is bearing the offense. So you have to be pretty powerful in order to be able to give mercy. I mean, think about that illustration. Like if, if someone hits your car and, you know, like you have insurance to cover it. Let's say they didn't have insurance. And you really need that car, right? You, you want to show them mercy, but I'm not rich enough to just write that off. I, I kind of need my car fixed. You know, like we, we need to file a police report. We need to figure out a way. I need to, you know, figure out a way to get my car fixed. Now, if you have a billion cars and someone hits one of your cars, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll bear that. I'll bear that offense. I'll bear that for you. So you see what I'm saying? God has to be powerful enough to show mercy for the sin of billions and trillions of trillions of people like like that have utterly offended him and broken his law that have killed each other that have hurt each other that have abused each other that have created systems of abuse systems of racism systems of classism systems that have utterly negated human flourishing which brings some glory so god has to be able to show powerful enough to show mercy god has to be powerful enough to bless and that's the other thing with blessing. Think about that. Like, I could, I could give you a piece of gum, and you could be like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm blessed. I got a piece of gum. But then I could give you a million dollars. Like, who got blessed more? The gum dude or the million dollars person, right? Like, blessing is also contingent on power. And the amount of blessing this world needs far exceeds anything, any policy that American president can come up with, that any empire can come up with. Like, we need blessing beyond anything this world can generate that a a healthy stock market could give us. We need blessing above that. And that 
God has to be powerful enough to truly bless us. If we're going to see shalom, if we're going to see world peace, if we're going to see ultimate flourishing for God's image bearers, if we're going to see God glorified, God has to be powerful enough to bless us like that. Last thing, God has to be powerful enough to smile on us and show us his favor. I think this is, this is, this is where the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And that salvation is so holistic, family. It's freedom from sin's penalty, but it's also freedom, being freed from sin's power in the now, and that one day we will be freed from sin's presence ultimately. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And this is embodied in Jesus. When the psalmist says, your word, I, I desire your word more than silver, Right? In, in Psalm 19, in Psalm 73, it's like, there's nothing in heaven and earth I desire more than you. That's what has to happen in order for us to flourish, for God to be glorified, for this world to be transformed, is our desires have to be transformed. Our desires have to change. How do our desires change? It, it happens through the power of God. Because we, we do have a God that is powerful enough to save. Isaiah 59, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. He is powerful enough to show mercy. In fact, that's what happened on the cross. The God of the universe, right? He, he does come close to us. He incarnates. The word becomes flesh. God shows up in the hood. He moves in. He tabernacles among us. He is with us. He comes. He lives the life we could never live. And what happens on that cross? What happens? What is the atonement? It is what, what Paul so brilliantly says, and by the way, Paul was writing from prison. A lot of good stuff comes out of prisons. 13 letters in our Bible. Um, but what is, what, what's happening? He, he says in Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin in that moment became sin for us so that in him, what might we become? The righteousness of God. And that's exactly what happens. That's the transaction. That's the ultimate mercy that we need. That's the only mercy that's going to work because it's an infinite mercy. An infinite mercy happened on Calvary that day. God in the flesh became sin so that we might be his righteousness. Our debt, past, present, future, completely canceled. And what, what did that Galatians text says is now you are children of God. God through Christ has adopted you in. You are part of the family of God now. That is your identity. You are a child, a beloved child of God. He's shown you mercy. He's shown you so much mercy. And he won't stop showing mercy. Right? We say that that's great Presbyterian little little justification, just as if I'd never sinned. That's exactly right. It's been washed away. As far as the east is from the west, your sin's been taken away. Every one of those prisoners, guess what? That's the message we can preach them. Yeah, you're not free right here, but you are free, ultimately, no matter what you've done. No matter how many years you have left here, you, you, are, you are a child of God. You've, when you've trusted in Christ, when you've received that mercy, He's like, you're covered. And God is merciful, isn't he? He's been so merciful to us. The cross shows us that. We also see the ultimate blessing on, in, in, the, in the work of Christ, right? God has, has, has shown us that he is enough. That really is our best confession. Our best repentance is, I'm not, God, I'm not believing that you're enough. And then saying, Lord, would you, would you send your spirit to remind me that you are enough and that, that you are my deepest desire. And those of us that have been born from above, that have believed and received God's mercy, that's, that's what sanctification is. It's us believing more and more in the ultimate blessing that is Christ, that God himself is our blessing, and that every other blessing comes under that, right? It's seek first the kingdom of God so that all these blessings will be added to you. No. Seek first the kingdom of God and these blessings are added. It's like if you seek first God to get the blessings, you're not seeking first God's kingdom and him. What are you actually seeking? You're seeking those things and God is just your sugar daddy. He's just your way to still try to get what you want and get your, your version of flourishing. But in God's kingdom, under his rule, under his reign, which is that, that cry of our hearts, Lord, would, would people know your reign, your rule? Would the nations know that you guide us, that you are the one that governs us, that you are our lead, that you are our Lord? 
Like when we come under that lordship, under his word, under our eternal identity as his children, there's so much freedom now to actually flourish the way we are designed to flourish. We actually do start flourishing. Like it's amazing what happens in our ministry when someone repents of an addiction and that addiction all of a sudden, it's like, wow, my bank accounts are looking a lot better now. Wow, I have more to give and pour into. Wow, I'm not wasting all this time on these addictions anymore. That's so wonderful. Thank you, God, for freeing me from my addictions, right? It's like, wow, I'm flourishing now because these addictions that I thought were giving me the flourishing I needed when I realized that Jesus was enough and that his blessing was enough and that his blessing was greater than every other blessing this world could offer. Wow, this is this is it. This is it. I, I don't need my addictions. I'm loving Jesus more than my addictions. And you, you do what you love, and now you receive God's love. You love him, and obedience doesn't become like a duty. What does it become? It becomes a delight. Honoring God becomes a delight. Obeying God becomes a delight. Doing what his word says, it doesn't become like a burden. It's like we want to do it. There's something in us that rises up and says, yes, I want to love you, God. I want to obey you, God. And then when we fall on our face like all children do when they're learning to walk, what does our daddy do? Does he stand over us and condemn us? No, there's no condemnation. He picks us up and says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. I'm with you. My spirit is in you. It's in your DNA to walk. It's in your DNA to be conformed to the image of Christ, your big brother. Right? That's, That's the power of God. That's the power of the gospel. And then lastly, his smile and favor would be upon us. I mean, how does God smile on us? He becomes a human. And Jesus isn't like not a human anymore. Like he's a human forever. Like God has eternally knit himself to humanity through the incarnation, through the person of Christ. Jesus had a physical body after the resurrection. He's the first fruits of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know what it's going to be like, but... Sin doesn't have any presence there, and we know that there's a physical Jesus who smiles on us and gives us favor. I mean, it's a physical world, and it's kind of mind-blowing. I can't think too much about that because it'll, you know, it just blows your mind. But that's the promise that is, is held out in Scripture for us. And that's what we see of first fruits of in the incarnation, that God comes close, that he's with us. So what? Okay, so what? Let's just... Pause. So what? Let's say this is true. I believe it is true. I believe it's transforming my life. I believe it's transforming our community. I believe this is the power of God that is bringing salvation and healing and restoration and renewal that we all long for. So what? Realignment happens as we come to this table together. That's what's what's happening. It's realignment. It's reagreement with our true identity in Christ. It's repentance. It's, it's, repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is so beautiful because all it is is just acknowledging the reality. Yeah, yeah, I believed a lie again. Gosh, I fell for it. I fell for the con artist again. I listened. I clicked on that ad, and they, they told me I would lose weight, but that pill didn't work. Right? Like, it's agreeing that God is the source of our flourishing. It's agreeing that he deserves our worship. He deserves our lives. And it's agreeing that, Lord, you want to use me on this earth. I love, I've always loved your mission here at City Church, that we are a family on mission, right? Like that Galatians text, we are heirs of God, like we're co-heirs with Christ. Like he, like Paul says in Romans, like we are the family of God. And so therefore we are part of the family business, which is the renewal of all things. It's like you're part of the business. Like you own it all. You're part of it. You get to, you work not as a slave, not as minimum wage worker. Your father is including you and you're doing it out of a sense of, of ownership as an heir of God, as a family member. And so the way you love others radically changes when you have that perspective. The way we share with each other, the way we love each other, the way we care for the poor, the way we stand up against injustice in our world, the way that we proclaim the gospel in word and in deed. It changes completely when you do it out of a place of sonship and daughtership, out of a place of abiding and resting in the finished work of Christ as a beloved child of God. And that's who we are, family. That's who we are. 
And it's so outward focused. It's like, may the nations praise you. It's almost like, like, I can't wait to be part of this amazing redemption story. And there's this missional intimacy that happens with Jesus when you walk into in faith, available to God's spirit to let him use you to shalom the hell out of this world. To be shalomers, peacemakers, peace generators, like Annie prayed. That we want that kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We want it put on display here and now, and we get to join Jesus in that mission, family. Your flourishing isn't in self. Your flourishing is actually in death to self. As you die, Christ lives. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the world, that, that, last, that last part, can you put that on the screen? Just that last part of Psalm 67, that last verse. May, may the nations just know you, God. May they know your saving power. Look at this. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. You see that? That's the flourishing. God, our God, shall bless us. This is a reality statement. And God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word has put on skin. That it's not just empty ethereal words. It's not just a pie in the sky message. This is a pie on the plate. This is present. It's with us. You are smiling on us. You have shown us favor. What more could you give us, Lord? You've given yourself to us. You're powerful enough, God, to show radical mercy, and you've come close enough to us through your spirit to reveal that mercy to us. Lord, even now, some of us that are wrestling with belief Lord, your spirit is awakening belief. Your spirit is awakening a a deeper desire for for righteousness, a deeper desire and conviction of sin and idols and false gods and false love of self. Lord, you're you're doing that in your people. You're awakening us, Lord. Thank you so much, God, that, that we get to join you on this mission. And even as we come to your table right now, Lord, would our hearts be stirred to repentance? Would your kindness, would that mercy that blessing, that favor, would it it lead us to repentance, Lord? That's the only thing that can lead us to true repentance, Lord. We don't, it's not fear, Lord. Fear doesn't do anything. It just manipulates, Lord. We, we come to you because we love you and you first loved us. And we want, we want to love you better, Lord. We want to be more of who we truly are in Christ. That is the desire of our hearts as your people. We want to love our neighbors better. We want to love our wives better. We want to love our kids better. We want to care, Lord, for your creation better. And we cannot do that. We cannot flourish apart from you, apart from your mercy, apart from your blessing, apart from your favor, God. So may you bless us, Lord. May you shine your favor on us. May you give us, Lord, your shalom. Do that work in our hearts, God. Thank you. Amen.